The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Autism One, a conversation of hope with host Terry Aranga. All comments, views, and opinions expressed are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. In the next hour, Terry and her guest illuminate how right now there is more reason than ever for individuals with autism spectrum disorders and their families to have the best hope for the brightest future. Through education and conversation, there is hope. Here's your host, Terry Aranga. Hello, and welcome to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel and this program, Autism One, a conversation of hope for Tuesday, August 19th. I'm your host, Terry Aranga, here with my guests, Marcella Piper-Terry and Candice Estave. Marcella Piper-Terry is the founder of Vax Truth, which can be found at VaxTruth.org. Marcella initiated the No Shots, No School, Not True billboard campaign, and now Marcella and health advocate Candice Estave and frontline moms across the country are taking it to the street to protect infants and children from dying or being otherwise grievously injured by vaccinations or their parents being misled and bullied into shots before school. Welcome, ladies. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to start this program by sharing with our listeners uh, breaking news. Uh, A press release came out yesterday from Focus Autism, and I'll thank everyone for bearing with me while I share some paragraphs from that press release and information about a couple of other studies, and then we will talk with Marcella and Candice. And this says, a study by Focus Autism Foundation finds CDC whistleblower reveals widespread manipulation of scientific data and top-down pressure on CDC scientists to support the fraudulent application of government policies on vaccine safety. Whistleblower says CDC knew in 2003 of higher autism rate among African-American boys receiving MMR shot earlier than 36 months. From the press release, a top research scientist working for the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention played a key role in helping Dr. Brian Hooker of the Focus Autism Foundation uncover data manipulation by the CDC that obscured a higher incidence of autism in African-American boys. The whistleblower came to the attention of Hooker, a Ph.D. in biochemical engineering, after he had made a Freedom of Information Act request for the original data on the DiStefano et al. MMR and autism study. Dr. Hooker's study, published August 8th in the peer-reviewed scientific journal Translational Neurodegeneration, shows that African-American boys receiving their first MMR vaccine before 36 months of age are 3.4 times more likely to develop autism versus after 36 months. According to Dr. Hooker, the CDC whistleblower informant, who wishes to remain anonymous, guided him to evidence that a statistically significant relationship between the age the MMR vaccine was first given and autism incidents in African-American boys was hidden by CDC researchers. 
it continues. Dr. Hooker has worked closely with the CDC whistleblower, and he viewed highly sensitive documents related to the study via congressional request from the U from U.S. Representative Daryl Issa, Chairman of the House Oversight and Government Reform Committee. The CDC documents from Congress and discussions that Hooker had with the whistleblower reveal widespread manipulation of scientific data and top-down pressure on CDC scientists to support fraudulent application of government policies on vaccine safety. Based on the raw data used in the 2004 DiStefano study obtained under FOIA, Dr. Hooker found that the link between MMR vaccination and autism in African-American boys was obscured by the introduction of irrelevant and unnecessary birth certificate criteria ostensibly to reduce the size of the study. The results of the original study first appeared in the journal Pediatrics, which receives financial support from vaccine makers via advertising and direct donations, according to a CBS News report. The DiStefano Study is widely used by the CDC and other public health organizations to dismiss any link between vaccines and autism, a neurological disorder on the rise. Dr. Hooker stated, quote, the CDC knew about the relationship between the age of first MMR vaccine and autism incidents in African-American boys as early as 2003, but chose to cover it up. The whistleblower confirmed this. And now we're going to look at that, the Stefano study that was referenced in that press release, and it was in pediatrics in 2004. And authors included uh, Dr. Frank Stefano and others. And in the results section, I'm just going to read briefly, it says, the overall distribution of ages at MMR vaccination among children with autism was similar to that of age match control children. Similar proportions of case and control children had been vaccinated before 18 or before 24 months. No significant associations for either of these age cutoffs were found for specific case subgroups, including those with evidence of developmental regression. So that's the DeStefano's uh, quote-unquote study. don't really want to call that a study anymore. Um, and now we're going to look at a real study, and that is Dr. Brian Hooker's, and this was just, again, published in peer-reviewed translational neurodegeneration in August, this August. It's called Measles, Mumps, Rubella Vaccination Timing and Autism Among Young African-American Boys, a Reanalysis of CDC Data. Results. When comparing cases and controls receiving their first MMR vaccine before and after 36 months of age, there was a statistically, there was a statistically significant increase in autism cases specifically among African-American males who received the first MMR prior to 36 months of age. Conclusions, the present study provides new epidemiological evidence showing that African-American males receiving the MMR vaccine prior to 24 months of age or 36 months of age are more likely to receive an autism diagnosis. Marcella and Candace, do retorts such as those from the now fraudulent DeStefano study get thrown up in your face a lot when you're trying to educate the public about vaccine risk? Uh, this is Marcella, and I would just say that... Um, Generally, when, when somebody throws the research in our face, it's, they're not really citing any particular research, at least when they talk with me. Um, the, DeStefano is a, uh, is a name I'm definitely familiar with. And actually, while you were just reading that, um, one of 
the, the studies that, that has been thrown in my face several times, um, especially when it first came out, was a, um, a study that was published in 2010 in the journal Pediatrics. And I just pulled it up just as you were talking about um, this most recent press release. Um, and DeStefano uh, was one of the authors of that study, um, and it was when they looked at thimerosal. Um, and, and, and as you're talking about, you know, this, this bogus way of decreasing the power of the study by getting rid of, you know, randomly saying, okay, you don't have a birth certificate showing that you're born in the state of Georgia, so therefore we're going to exclude you from the study. That has nothing to do with anything other than to, as Dr. Hooker um, let us all know, to reduce the power of the study. They did the same thing in the study that was published in 2010 with thimerosal. And what they did there was they went in and they, they got rid of a whole um, a significant portion. I think it was something like 800 kids. I'm not, I, I have to reread the study in order to to um, confirm that. But they they got rid of a whole lot of kids, and and the basis of it was that they were too neurologically damaged. They could not participate in the cognitive uh, in the IQ testing portion of the study. So what they did was they got rid of the kids who were the most significantly injured by thimerosal in their vaccines and reduced the power of the study because it was the same thing. It was a huge difference between the number in the experimental group and in the control group. And, and it, so this is a pattern that we see of, of randomly skewing the data by um, by using unequal ends and by using poor statistical weak statistical analyses, this was a um, another uh, another study was was uh, thrown out there actually in one of the Facebook groups by someone who worked at the CDC and he said, you know, pick this one apart, show me where this one is wrong, and I did, and it was a study that was published, um, I believe it was 2010, but um, at any rate, it was. It was a study that was put together um, for the express purpose of uh, of debunking, discrediting Dr. Wakefield, and um, I, I I picked it apart um, paragraph by paragraph, and it's it's published on uh, Vax Truth on the Vax Truth website, and, and the name of it, my paper is uh, only five of twenty five, and actually what they showed was that twenty percent of the children in their experimental group developed gastrointestinal illness, significant gastrointestinal disease, within a 30-day period of being vaccinated with the MMR, the gastrointestinal disease came first, and then those children were later diagnosed with autism. But because their, the, the number of their study group was so small, there were, I think, 13 in the, study, in the, in the experimental group and 25 in the... Um, or maybe it was 25 in, the, in, 25 in the experimental group and 13 in the, in the control group. So um, five out of 25 children developed. So that's one in five. You know, our autism rate now, uh, official autism rate now, is one in 68 among 12-year-olds. So when we look at one in five that they found, the only reason it wasn't significant is because they had unequal M's unequal numbers in their study groups, and they used a weak statistical analysis. So this is nothing new. It is pervasive, and it's, it happens over and over and over again. So, Marcella, what you're talking about is garbage in, garbage out. If they put garbage in to their analysis, oh, yeah. they, they get garbage out. And by the way, Marcella, I must comment that uh, contrary to how the mainstream media tries to spin mothers who have affected children and call them desperate mo- uh desperate mothers, you sound like an educated mom 
not a desperate mom. Um, so you are. Ref- you mentioned Marcella. Another DiStefano study that you're looking at. Uh, how many studies uh, are are affected? How many studies are there in which this researcher or this researcher and his colleagues involved? How many studies uh, are they lying about? If this one, then how many others? Well, and that's a very good question. And unfortunately, as you know, I mean, I, I have to kind of say that that being educated and um, intelligent and desperate are not uh, mutually exclusive. Because when you have, as as we know, all three of us know, when you have a a sick child, when you have a very sick child um, who is who is uh, extremely ill from as a result of vaccines there is a there is a, um a there is an element of desperation because we want answers and we want to understand what happened and we want you know even more so we want to prevent it from happening to other people so but but in in answer to your question about um how many studies, because we are so busy, you know, I, I, I am a researcher. I have a master of science degree. I, I received national awards for my research abilities. Um, and I, you know, I, I am a research guru. I, that's my thing, but I'm also a mom. So I don't have time to go through and find all of the studies, but I think it is significant that of the three that I've looked at or that we've talked about right here, it's the same thing. Well, Marcella, thank you for sharing that perspective. And we are going to come back with Marcella and Candice when we return from break here at the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. And we'd encourage our listeners that you don't have to move from your radio and you don't have to move from your state uh, because there is an item that's available that you can get shipped right to your door. That is CBD oil that you can get shipped right to your door. It is Hemp Med CBD Rich Hemp Oil that's available in all 50 states and over 40 countries. I'll give you the the August 20% off Hemp Med's discount code exclusive to this radio program, and that is A1 Radio 8, A numeral 1 Radio numeral 8. You can visit them at www.hempmeds.com. Com during the break, and we will be right back. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Are you struggling with loss in your life? Whether it's grief, personal healing, or serious life changes that you are dealing with, tune in to Voices for Healing, with host Kathy Roberts. Everything that happens to us teaches us and gives us hope and possibility. Kathy and her guest experts will bring you the tools that you need to start the healing process. There are so many ways to transform loss. Where can we take you? Listen every Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have you had your CBD today? CBD, or cannabidiol, is a natural part of hemp oil that's making headlines in 2014. HempMeds is the world's trusted source for CBD-rich hemp oil because they see total body care as a necessity, not a luxury. HempMeds offers premium CBD-rich hemp oils in a variety of ways, from natural hair and skin care to herbal supplements and lifestyle products. 
and CBD-rich hemp oil is available right now in all 50 states. Quality begins with non-GMO industrial hemp cultivars, grown on family farms using no pesticides, herbicides, or toxic fertilizers. Only with Hemp Meds are you guaranteed consistent, quality, natural CBD-rich hemp oil from Healthy Hemp. There are so many different ways to enjoy CBD-rich hemp oil from Hemp Meds. The only question we have for you is, have you had your CBD today? Step into the doorway to conscious choice, greater health, and well-being. Attain the balance that you've been seeking. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Feed the mind. Embrace positively. Release the tension. Step out of fear. Host Simran Singh will help you broaden your mind and open your heart toward a greater understanding of how to take charge of your life. 1111 Talk Radio is here every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network. 1111 Talk Radio. Because shift happens. Looking for exciting video content live and on demand? Visit www.voiceamerica.tv for exclusive content you just can't find anywhere else. That's voiceamerica.tv. Tune in now. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll-free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Terry. We are back with Marcella Piper Terry, the founder of Vax Truth and health advocate Candace Estave. And Candace, before the break, we were talking about um, the newly revealed information, as in the Focus Autism press release yesterday, um, showing that uh, fraudulent information was put out on the DeStefano study. And how do you feel about this? Well, I feel very hopeful. I hope it goes mainstream and people hear us. Um, most of the people I come across do not read the science. Even my pediatrician will tell me, you know, that Wakefield was discredited and he won't even look at the paper. Um, every time I visit, I take a stack of papers for him to read, and he says he does, but... I'm not real sure. And parents are just, um, you know, they're questioning the whole ordeal and starting to listen. Um, I don't think they're quite to the science yet. Um, So that's where we're at here in our part of the world. But we just keep plugging away at it, and hopefully somebody will listen to us. Well, thank you very much. And um, I've said on the show before that... uh, We've been uh, vaccinated, fluoridated, and socialized out of common sense, so it may take a little while for a larger degree of the population uh, to get up on the science, but thank you uh, to you, Candace and Marcella, for chipping away at this. Marcella, let's find out from you how you know that autism is not a genetics-only illness or a genetics-only epidemic. Well... I mean, the first thing is, is just common sense. I mean, you know, genetics change. Genetics, um, they, there are certain things that alter genetics in the first place. But, but uh, epidemics, uh, there's no such thing as a genetic epidemic. I mean, you, you, you don't have 
um, anything growing at a rate, any any kind of disease process or disease state growing at a rate of 13% per year, which is what we've been seeing um, with the autism epidemic um, over the last, uh, you know, 20 years or so. Um, so, so it's impossible for it to be solely genetic. Um, the evidence points to an epigenetic issue where there, there is a combination of uh, genetics and environmental um, insults. And, and the thing is, is that when we talk about those genetic changes, that does not in any way absolve vaccines. When we look at the, uh, the toxins that are in, in, um, included, the toxic ingredients in vaccines, including human DNA and uh, the DNA of animals, um, when you talk about injecting human DNA into a human being, that DNA is called recombinant DNA, and it, it, what it, it's just what it sounds like. It recombines with the DNA of the host. So you have a change in the DNA, in the genetic material, in people who are vaccinated and in, injected with human DNA, and then that change in that DNA is passed on to their offspring. The same thing happens when someone is exposed to uh, heavy metals like mercury, which is thimerosal, which is in vaccines and is still in vaccines, um, including vaccines given to pregnant women and vaccines given to infants and children. Um, the, uh, mercury is mutagenic. It mutates genetic material, mutagenic. It alters DNA. So when adults are injected with vaccines that contain toxins that alter their DNA, that altered DNA is then passed to their children. So there is that, that's your genetic predisposition, and that's why it's increasing at such a rate. It's an intergenerational vaccination assault that we are passing on from one generation to another. And the more vaccines an adult gets in his or her lifetime, the more vulnerable their children are going to be, the more, quote-unquote, genetic predisposition there's going to be to vaccine injury, which is autism. Autism is not always the result of immediate vaccine injury or traceable vaccine injury, but in those cases that I've seen where people say, well, my child was never vaccinated and he or she has autism. In every single case that I have been involved with personally on that level, you know, whether it's just an investigational kind of, huh, let's talk about that. Or if it's somebody that I'm seeing um, on a professional level, it is almost always, in every case, it's been traceable back to exposure to heavy metals, either lead or mercury or both. So, um, you know, the, the, the idea that this is just um, better diagnosis that's ridiculous. You know, having worked as a, as a behavior analyst with adults living in group homes, I can tell you that the group homes are not filled with 15, 16, 70 year old autistic people. They are there. The, the older folks that are inhabiting our group homes at this point in time have a variety of diagnoses. The ones who are going in at the age of 18 to 25 are almost exclusively autism. So there's definitely a change, and it is not just genetic, and it's not better diagnosis. So you brought up a lot of issues there, Marcella. So uh, Dr. Bernard Rimland, who founded the Autism Society of America and the Autism Research Institute, toward the end of the last century found that uh, regressive autism was more prevalent than those who thought their children 
had autism earlier on. We had children who were developing, normally meeting their developmental milestones, and then something happened and they changed, and many children changed swiftly. So uh, regressive autism became the prevalent kind of autism. But for those families who feel that their children had something going on really early on, they could ask themselves the following questions. Uh, Did the child have a thimerosal-containing hepatitis B shot on day one of life? With or, or an aluminum-containing hepatitis B shot, because aluminum okay. does many of the same things as thimerosal. Very good. So families can ask themselves that question. Um, they can see if there's a gastrointestinal issue present, because as the gut goes, so goes the body, especially at a sensitive neurodevelopmental window when proteins can leak through um, a, an impaired gut, et cetera. And, Marcella, you brought up the fact that in that other study, the children first had GI issues and then were diagnosed with autism. You, we can look at horizontal transmission. Does a sibling, this happens in another family, does a sibling, ha, they have the MMR vaccine. Is there a possibility that there is horizontal transmission of the measles vaccine from the vaccinated to the unvaccinated sibling? And is that how the unvaccinated sibling got GI issues? Is there a family history of vaccination? You know, at this point, we've had decades and decades and generations and generations of families where the great-grandparents and the grandparents and the parents were vaccinated. Are we looking for those mutagenic and those genotoxic effects? So there are all those issues. And so far as there also, um, I would also add, um, did the mother uh, receive a, hepati- or a, a flu vaccine during pregnancy? Did the mother have uh, mercury? Did the mer- did the mother have amalgams in her mouth? You know, how many amalgams did amalgam fillings did she have? Um, you know, did, do they have? How far do they live near environmental sources of mercury? It's it's an additive and cumulative effect. Did the mother get a rogam injection or two during the during the pregnancy? Now we've got women. You know, at the same time when they when they say they took thimerosal out of childhood vaccinations. They almost immediately at the same time started um, giving flu vaccines to women during their pregnancy. And, the, and many of those flu vaccines contain thimerosal, especially those that, I mean, and there, the, you know, I, I called the, here where I live, there's a, there are three universities um, or colleges in this, in this small area where I live. And I, I called and, and asked, you know, what, what flu vaccine are you giving in the, in the, um, the university health clinic? And, and they were using multi-dose vials. So, so those women are getting, you know, they, they say, well, we took it out. We took the Marisol out of the, the childhood vaccinations. Um, but, but then these women are getting infants in, in utero, you know, and then there's no, there's no regard for whether or not the, the person who is receiving that vaccine, that flu vaccine is pregnant. They're giving pregnant women Vaccines that contain 25 um, micrograms of, of mercury. It's 50 micrograms of thimerosal, which is 25 micrograms of mercury. So these infants are not being spared from thimerosal. They're getting it at a much earlier age, at a much smaller um, total weight, and at a much more critical part of, of their um, development, which is in, in utero. That's right. And the toxins, if, you, if a mother wants to detoxify, you know, get pregnant because the toxins go to the developing child. Um, you mentioned common sense, Marcella, and you mentioned amalgams. 
if they close down a school because there's a mishap in the in the chemistry lab with mercury, then it just stands to reason that this is bad stuff. We know that uh, Dr. Ray Palmer found in Texas that the children living closer to the mercury emissions in the coal-fired power plants were having more uh, learning disabilities. We know that they said pollution was bad insofar as autism is concerned in the San Francisco Bay Area. So it, it is admitted that mercury is problematic insofar as children's cognitive health. Then they're going to tell you that, oh, that's a different kind of mercury and the mercury in vaccines was a kinder, gentler kind of mercury. But Thomas Burbacher, Dr. Thomas Burbacher up in Washington, proved that that was not true in his non-human primate studies showing that ethyl mercury, the kind of mercury in vaccines delivered by injection versus ingestion of methyl mercury, uh, prevailed in the brain longer than the methyl mercury from, say, eating fish. And with that, we're going to take a break here at the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We will be back with Candace S. Dave and Marcella Piper Terry of VaxTruth.org. Please visit that website during the break, as well as www.hempmeds.com, from where you can get CBD, that's cannabidiol oil, shipped right to your door, legal in all 50 states and over 40 countries. The discount code for August is A1Radio8. We'll be right back. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. Explore the power of natural healing with Howard Strauss. Join us each week for an informative program that will help you learn effective healing methods using natural remedies. Howard's guests include top researchers, authors, and experts who will share their views on a variety of natural products and healing methods that really work. Tune in to The Power of Natural Healing with Howard Strauss, Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have you had your CBD today? CBD, or cannabidiol, is a natural part of hemp oil that's making headlines in 2014. Hemp Meds is the world's trusted source for CBD-rich hemp oil because they see total body care as a necessity, not a luxury. Hemp Meds offers premium CBD-rich hemp oils in a variety of ways, from natural hair and skin care to herbal supplements and lifestyle products. And CBD-rich hemp oil is available right now in all 50 states. Quality begins with non-GMO industrial hemp cultivars, grown on family farms using no pesticides, herbicides, or toxic fertilizers. Only with Hemp Meds are you guaranteed consistent, quality, natural CBD-rich hemp oil from Healthy Hemp. There are so many different ways to enjoy CBD-rich hemp oil from Hemp Meds. The only question we have for you is, have you had your CBD today? Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health & Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Terry. We're back with Marcella Piper Terry and Candace S. Dave. And Marcella, before the break, we were talking uh, about uh, mercury, aluminum, and uh, the risks of vaccines. Marcella, when people try to tell you that vaccines don't cause autism 
And by the way, that's a diagnostic label that doesn't tell us what's going on inside the body, such as any of the neurodegenerative processes. Are you able to reference other neurodegenerative disease processes caused by toxins found in vaccines? What are some of the toxins? Well, actually, that's a, that is a, that's a very good point because it, it's not just about autism. And usually when I talk about autism, I put it in quotes because for the same reason that you just discussed. Um, autism is a behavioral diagnosis. It's a diagnostic label, and it doesn't address the underlying conditions. There's actually um, some research over the last few years on something called Asia, um, which is A-S-I-A, all capitals, just like the continent of Asia. Um, and it, it's that, that stands for autoimmune or autoinflammatory syndrome induced by adjuvants. And the adjuvants are um, adjuvants in vaccines. Uh, and it, it's actually this, this interest in this started um, back with Gulf War syndrome. And the adjuvant at that time was uh, in question was squalene. But there's since been a lot of research on aluminum used as an adjuvant in vaccines, and it's been linked to uh, things, obviously Gulf War syndrome, um, to Alzheimer's disease. Aluminum's been linked uh, for a long time to Alzheimer's disease, um, to lupus, um, ALS, which is there's a lot going on right now with ALS and that stupid challenge. Um, antiphospholipid syndrome, Guillain-Barre syndrome. Um, the underlying uh, thing that they f- that they're finding with uh, Asia is um, is it, it's demyelination. Demyelination. It it strips the nerves in the, the, the central nervous system of the myelin sheath, and without the myelin sheath, the brain does not communicate from neuron to neuron. It doesn't communicate from one area of the brain to another. And when you have that poor communication and that poor synthesis of information from one area of the brain to another area of the brain, what you have is um, is Things like sensory processing problems. You get auditory processing and visual processing disorders. You get sensory integration disorder. And all of those things are just, you know, ticking the boxes off on the cognitive and the neurological symptoms of what we call autism. But it's also, it's all, it's Alzheimer's disease. And it's, it's the, the, um, the neurological problems associated with MS and with, with ALS. So there, there's a whole, um, continuum of, of other diseases that have been recognized as being associated with adjuvants and vaccines given to adults. And one of the things they talk about is post-vaccination syndrome. If you, if you Google Asia and adjuvants, you'll come up with a, a whole bunch of stuff that's peer-reviewed medical literature associated with this. What we're not seeing on a large scale is how, is what about our children? You know, you're seeing this in, in adults who get one flu shot. And our children are getting sometimes up to 1,200 micrograms of aluminum at their two-month, four-month, six-month, and 12-month well baby checks, their vaccine appointments. And, and you know, when, yet when you bring up aluminum as an adjuvant in vaccines, what pro-vaccine people will say to you, and it comes straight from Paul Offit and from uh, Children's Hospital of Philadelphia and their pro-vaccine information, there is that, well, there's more aluminum in breast milk than there is in vaccines. That's just ridiculous. I mean, somebody who's supposed to be an expert is telling us that there's no difference between something, between the mode of, uh, of exposure. There's no difference between taking something orally versus injecting it into your body. You want to, you know, let, let's go, let's go do a few shots of tequila tonight and then tomorrow night I'll watch while you inject that same amount into your body and you tell me if there's a difference. 
Marcella, that was just an an excellent um, an excellent string of thoughts there. Thank you very much for sharing that with us. So, um, we know that there are a lot of problems with the ingredients in vaccines, and that they can cause a lot of adverse physiological issues. But then, vaccine proponents will say, well, at least vaccines are effective and have eradicated uh, diseases, heinous diseases. So, Marcella, are vaccines effective? Uh, there, there is no evidence that vaccines have had a significant effect on the reduction of serious disease. Uh, one really good example of this, and I, I, I wrote an article um, uh, on Vax Truth about the hepatitis B vaccine given to children, and it's, it's a cost-benefit analysis whether or not the vaccine has been affected. The CDC will tell you that there's been, I don't remember exactly what they say, like an 89% reduction in the, in the incidence of hepatitis B um, illness in, in children under the age of 14. Well, what that means is it, it went from uh, one case in 3.03 to something like one out of, I mean, it, the, the amount of the reduction was very, very small. So basically it's like if, if the incidence of hepatitis B was one in a million before the, the, the vaccine was introduced and after 20 years, the case is um, zero in a million. The CDC would say that the vaccine has been 100% effective in wiping out hepatitis B because it eliminated one case. So the, the thing about that is, is that when you look at the incidence of hepatitis B uh, illness and the incidence of hepatitis C illness, the graphs are identical. The, the incidence of the illness has come down at an identical pace over the 20 years time, the history of the vaccine. So, um, so what that means is that there is no proof that the vaccine has done anything. It's more likely that lifestyle changes have been responsible for the decrease because there is no vaccine for hepatitis C. And that's the same thing that you see with other illnesses or other um, infectious diseases when you look at um, things like scarlet fever and, um, and things like uh, typhoid, things that we don't vaccinate for in this, uh, in this part of the country. And there is no vaccine for scarlet fever. So if you look at the scarlet fever incidence of uh, morbidity and mortality over the last 200 years, and you compare that rate with, the MM, with measles and mumps and, um, and pertussis and diphtheria and these things that we do vaccinate for, the graphs look the same. So the incidence of the illnesses are coming down regardless of whether or not there's a vaccine for that particular infectious disease. Yeah, um, the th- so there's no proof that vaccines have done anything to reduce yeah. the, the mortality from infectious disease. And maybe there was better sanitation, things like better sanitation that, made, that helped uh, facilitate the disease rates going down. If you and I, Marcella, went into a stadium and uh, there were you know, people around us in the stadium with a particular illness, it may be that you know, your biological terrain is more robust than my biological terrain insofar as resistance to illness. And it could, how do we know that we wouldn't, that you wouldn't have caught that disease because of vaccination? If neither of us had a vaccine, your biological terrain could simply be more robust than mine. Right, exactly, yeah. You could have, you know, had... uh, 
naturally immunized yourself with some good nutrition uh, that uh, recently. So another thing is that parents were getting thrown out of pediatricians' offices. Parents, their kids were getting thrown out of pediatricians' practices because of not vaccinating their kids. But those parents, the lady sitting at the desk answering the phone, then the parents walking into that pediatrician's office, were they all vaccinated? So what's up with that? Well, exactly, and that's that's that myth of herd immunity is that, you know, the, the pro-vaccine um, folks will say that you have to have 90 to 95% coverage in order to maintain herd immunity from, for, you know, vaccine-preventable, and I'm saying this in quotes, vaccine-preventable uh, disease. So um, that's ridiculous. You know, we in the, in the early 1980s, uh, according to the, the CDC's vaccine schedule, um, in the early ni- 1980s, children from birth through 18 years got 23 vaccines, period, over the, that whole time. Um, and so now, according to the 2014 schedule, infants receive 26 vaccines by the time they're six months old if they're vaccinated according to schedule. So people who were, uh, you know, like my, my son who was born in 1981 and was vaccinated according to schedule, he's not up to date on all of his vaccines. He hasn't gotten all of the vaccines that children now get. So he's not up to date. His wife isn't up to date. I'm not up to date according to the childhood schedule. I'm sure that you aren't. You know, none of us are. And so most of the, the adult population I would gather, you know, like a high 90 percentile uh, of the adult population is not, quote unquote, up to date on their vaccination. So there's no way that we can have 90 to 95 percent vaccine coverage. So herd immunity just does not exist. And, and you can't lose something you've never had. You can't lose herd immunity because it doesn't exist. Not vaccine herd immunity. We've, what we have lost is natural herd immunity. And that is why now, infants are more at risk during the first year of life to pertussis and to measles because in the past, when their mothers were allowed to get those diseases naturally, they conferred that immunity to their infants during the first year of life, and those infants were protected. Now they're not. So that is a, that is a consequence of, of what we're dealing with. We're, we're trying to wipe out things that were um, designed to help build our immune systems and to protect our most vulnerable and and as a result of uh, of just this overzealous uh, campaign to to wipe out all germs, those germs are becoming stronger. They're mutating. We're having, we're we're creating superbugs, and um, and we are more at risk than we ever were in the past. It's more Orwellian speak. They're telling us that they're trying to help our immune system when, in reality, they've decimated our immune system, and in fact, they pretty much detonated the human genome just at a, at a time when we thought we were unraveling the human genome. They've introduced all of these mutagenic and genotoxic uh, ingredients and made us all sicker. It's going to look like the bar in Star Wars. People just do kids just don't look healthier. Uh, as They're healthy not. As they used. There, there is no such thing as 
a healthy, robust child anymore if that child has been vaccinated. You can tell. You can tell the difference. When you see a, a child who is not vaccinated, it's like night and day. That child is so it's so healthy and rosy-cheeked. They, they have good muscle tone. They have bright eyes. They have glossy hair, beautiful skin. They don't have these dark circles. They're not, you know, pale and sickly looking. It's just the, the, the difference is striking when you know what you're looking at. We will be right back here at the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Stay by your radio. Don't move from your radio. Don't move from your state. If you would like the wonderful option of cannabidiol, CBD, you can get industrial-grade CBD-rich hemp oil, legal in all 50 states, from www.hempmeds.com. The discount code for this radio program for August is A1Radio8. We'll be right back. listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Do you or someone you love struggle with Alzheimer's disease or some other disorder? Many times, there is not an adequate support forum where you can learn from and discuss topics from top guest experts. Tune in to Neuromatters, The Brink of Alzheimer's with Dr. Sam Brinkman. Although thought of as a disease that affects only older individuals, increasingly, symptoms are being found in people who are in their 40s and 50s. Get the answers. Neuromatters airs live Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Health & Wellness. Have you had your CBD today? CBD, or cannabidiol, is a natural part of hemp oil that's making headlines in 2014. HempMeds is the world's trusted source for CBD-rich hemp oil because they see total body care as a necessity, not a luxury. HempMeds offers premium CBD-rich hemp oils in a variety of ways, from natural hair and skin care to herbal supplements and lifestyle products. And CBD-rich hemp oil is available right now in all 50 states. Quality begins with non-GMO industrial hemp cultivars, grown on family farms using no pesticides, herbicides, or toxic fertilizers. Only with hemp meds are you guaranteed consistent, quality, natural CBD-rich hemp oil from Healthy Hemp. There are so many different ways to enjoy CBD-rich hemp oil from hemp meds. The only question we have for you is... Have you had your CBD today? Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll free at 866 472 5792. Now back to the program. Here's Terry. Well, it is back to school season, and um, as we know, uh, Vax Truth has had the No Shots, No School, Not True billboards, and we want to be able to also uh, talk to Candace Estave in this program. We're going to pick up next week as well with Marcella Piper Terry and Candace and hear about the history of Vax Truth and the history of the No Shots, No School, Not True billboard campaign. But Candace, first, let's talk to you this week about your experiences in California with exemptions, vaccine exemptions, and legislative bill AB2109. Well, um, the AB2109 um, is, the language is, is, is not great. And I'm afraid 
afraid it's not going to change until somebody takes it to court. Um, if you have a religious exemption, um, the law states, let's see, um, I have that right here. If you have a religious exemption, um, you here I have the immune the affidavit right here. Um, and un, let's see, if if you sign the personal beliefs exemption part, you have to have it signed off by your pediatrician or school nurse. You can also attach uh, your own wording and sign it. Um, it's not clear yet how the schools are receiving these. Um, and then there's the religious exemption. But um, the religious beliefs exemption says, I am a member of a religion which prohibits me from seeking medical advice or treatment from authorized health care practitioners. And uh, you will not need a practitioner to sign off on that. However, the language is um, very harsh and... Uh, uh, what I would do um, is check the religious beliefs box, cross it out, and write my own. Um, there is no telling if that would ever be accepted, um, but we all know that because of our First Amendment right to freedom of religion, um, that is probably the strongest exemption in California and anywhere. So... Um, that is my plan to do that. I don't know how it'll go over. Um, they may challenge it. So, at this point, we're we're winging it with this language. So, um, I've had a couple of parents call me and say, "My son's going into seventh grade today, and they're not letting him in because he's not vaccinated. Can you help me?" So, I, I explained what they needed to do, and they did it, and it what they got some pushback but uh, it was accepted. Are, when pedi uh, when parents are re potentially required, if parents were required to get sign-off from a medical professional, do we suspect that medical professionals will get pushback from providing those sign-offs? Well, yeah, we can expect that, and they are not required to sign off after counseling parents on their decisions. Uh, they're not forced to do that. They don't have to do that. So um, you know, it's it's very questionable either way. So until this is challenged in court, uh, this language is it has to change. Um, we're kind of it's going it's feeling like we're going to be forced. So um, it's going to take a bunch of people to, to challenge it. Are only some doctors allowed to provide, some designated doctors allowed to provide a sign-off, uh, or can a parent go to any pediatrician? Or they can go to, to any pediatrician or school nurse or uh That's what that's what our uh, health department wants. So, yeah, your pediatrician, but he has a choice. He doesn't have to sign it. So it seems to me, Candace, and this is just a supposition, 
that this kind of ruling would be discriminatory against families who were less economically advantaged because they may need to go to a particular set of doctors in general. Those are the doctors to whom they have access economically, whereas families that had more economic advantages could go to more uh, to, could go to doctors outside of the usual networks who, you know, might have more freedom in their decision-making or more access to more information, such as, we, as we've been talking about today. Right. Um, yeah, so uh, we're kind of in a corner here with this uh, personal beliefs exemption and uh, the uh, religious exemption. So, you know, I've pretty much made my decision to pull my kids out of school. And that is another thing that um, less economically advantaged families can afford to do. If you must go out and work a job or two jobs or what have you, if you're a single, uh, single parent family or something and you don't have the latitude to pull your children out of school and homeschool, um, you may not have the luxury of keeping them away from that kind of uh, vaccine mandate. And as we know from the uh, press release that just came out, where uh, the uh, CDC whistleblower revealed widespread manipulation of scientific data and top-down pressure on CDC scientists to support the fraudulent application of government policies on vaccine safety, since now we know we can't trust those CDC um, studies, um, what's going to happen to families who don't have the luxury of having their children homeschool and have to uh, be subject to those arbitrary vaccine mandates that are told to us via the school system. Patty Finn was on, uh, attorney Patty Finn was on, and she was talking about how one day a vaccine was mandated and then the next day it just wasn't. It's arbitrary. So parents may have been forced the day before to put their children in peril and then the next day they didn't have to. Arbitrary. How do you feel about that? Well, uh, you know, it's just a, a, it's a mess. <laughs> Um, it's just going to take a bunch of parents to stand up and, and, and change it. Um, Candace, tell us about your experience with rally activity in California, the challenges you've experienced and the success you feel has been achieved so far. Well, um, I took Marcella's lead. I saw her on Facebook, and she had her sandwich board around her neck that said, no shots, no school, not true. And she plopped herself right there on the stairs of the health department. <laughs> and uh, um, I thought, gee, that takes a lot of courage. So um, I put my sign together. It didn't cost anything. I, I bought some foam board because it's really windy here. It's like poster board. And I had some Sharpies, and I just made a big sign. And I went out by myself, and I stood in front of the bowling alley on a Saturday morning. And um, I had lots of people really curious. Um, and they, I, of course, printed up Vax Truth uh, vaccine facts, and uh, I was willing to tell my personal story to anyone that would listen. And uh, the following weekend, I 
gathered two autism warrior moms and uh, asked them to join me on the corner on a busy street, and they came out, and uh, we got some pushback. There were some people, um, you're wrong, um, you know, even though we were just trying to let parents know they had a choice. Um, and then um, most people would give me thumbs up, mostly older people, which was really surprising. And then um, Karen came came out, and uh, we stood on a busy corner, a different corner, and uh, we had the big Vax Truth, No Shots, No School, Not True uh, banner that was bright red, and the newspaper showed up. We had lots of passersby, lots of, you know, moms out for their stroll with their children, and uh, we were sure to give them vaccine facts and... Um, we talked about Karen Kane's book, and it's in our local library, and just telling my story to anybody that would listen. So we got into the newspaper. So on the comments, I, uh, I was able to put these vaccine facts. And uh, I've gone after school districts for, for telling parents that uh, the DTAP is mandatory for sixth graders. Of course, that's the language, but we all know we have a choice. So... I was going after schools telling them that they needed to inform parents of their rights. And we are going to pick up with this discussion next week here at the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel with uh, Candace Estave and Marcella Piper-Terry. Please, in the meantime, visit www.vaxtruth.org, V-A-X, vaxtruth.org. You can print out a fact sheet, a a few facts about vaccines, and start educating parents who uh, may be feeling under pressure right now to vaccinate their children. Marcella and Candace, thank you for being my guest today and having this vital conversation toward protecting children. Thank, thank you, you so for much. having us. You're welcome. In addition to uh, Marcella and Candace uh, being on hand next week here on Voice America, they'll be on hand next May in Chicago at Autism One 2015, where we, we will be bleeping bleep and taking names. But in the meantime, you can meet Candace at the Sheraton Universal in Universal City, California, on Friday, August 29th at the free event of the Autism One Thrive Conference, August 29th, Sheraton Universal. Please register at www.autismone.org. To our listeners, thank you for tuning in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Thank you for listening to Autism One, a conversation of hope. To contact Terry or get more information, visit autismone.org. Tune in next Tuesday for another hour of education and conversation on Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.